Hello and welcome back. Welcome to the interim short, short show as we build up to the chat show show. Mm, right, yeah. So the idea of this really is to inform others of my own, my own thoughts and opinions towards what these narcissistic types are, what their cause and effect is to you personally, and moreover how, once mastered, you can or should see the global scale of what a narcissist is and does within the very real current political climate that we are all enduring. Now I'm no saint, neither do I think I'm entirely right in my own theories, but what I do have is a slowly building dichotomy of my own opinion versus the psychology of narcissism that surrounds us, and a decent plethora of fellow humans that have helped along their own path to freedom from the shackles of codependency. Which is, as we should know by now, the main ingredient that we have that only infuses and informs the narcissistic types. We have to look at this reality through an optic of self-thought, empirical reasoning and objective outlooks. The very things that have been eroded from you when dealing with another whose life and reality has been offset by the affliction that is narcissism. The whole point, really the only point, is for my words to nudge you towards self-belief and thinking for yourself in all that you do. No one else, not even me, can or should tell you how to think. Opinion is just that, an opinion from a different reality, or sadly just an opinion from a different political allegiance. Codependent types will always be amenable to the gaslighting tactics of another's agenda or their narrative. If you learn to think freely for yourself and you make your own informed decisions, or even if you simply let the facts of any matter speak for itself, then you'll be halfway there to your own freedom of thought. It's truly quite liberating. We are many, and we can be free if we so choose. As we build up to the chat show show, I'd like to thank, as I will many times, the brave volunteers who have been where you are and who are stepping up to share their stories of survival and how their own souls sparked them back to normalcy and a new reality where they are in control of their own destiny and where they have truly seen the light. This can be you also. So as we delve into the following questions, I want you to purely think for yourself. Make your own opinions born from your own experiences. And if it helps, please consider sharing this to anyone who you think it will also help. Spreading the message and releasing others really should be our priority once healed and safe in our own minds. Thank you for tuning in. I hope it helps in some small way. And just some admin really, I have some new channels of communication growing on Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R, and Telegram. And also the continuing work produced on Quora as I've now left the likes of Facebook and other mainstream social media behind due to its complex and highly self-serving censorship or how they continually reimagine opinions as facts and tell you how to think. Anyhow, brief introduction. I'm going to fire through a load of questions. Um, I've got four to look at. Um, which are these, really? What is the influence of a person's zodiac sign on a narcissistic behaviour? Does the narcissistic parent need to overcompensate for showing the children love and affection of a narcissistic relationship or divorce? How can we unite our voices in 2022 to speak even louder to authoritative organisations about the narcissistic victimisation pandemic we face? And finally, is it possible if two people started dating that have narcissistic traits that they should push each other to the extent that one or both of them develops full-blown narcissism beyond just narcissistic personality traits. I hope you enjoy the show. These four questions are going to be done sort of live from me and from inside my brain. And like I said in that long-winded opener, it is just my opinion. 
quick disclaimer. I'm not a counsellor, shrink or otherwise. I think I've just got relative experience. A couple of million views on the Quora. Um, not many really, but uh, I'm a prolific writer on there. And if you like what you hear here um, and can't stand the tone of my voice, uh, it happens. I'm like Marmite. There's no, uh, no judgment from this call sign. But please do consider looking at Quora looking at possible answers to your questions just type them in the search bar on there somebody there will uh, will no doubt have answered your question if not your question ends up in the question bank and somebody will pick it up and answer it just because i don't resonate with you it doesn't mean your journey's over there are many other different voices out there that you can listen to or read um, on your journey of uh, of healing and toward freedom. Anyway, that's me. That's the opener. Let's uh, let's do the usual. Let's play a jingle and uh, see where we are. Hope you enjoy it. Right, well, here we go then. What is the influence of a person's zodiac sign on their narcissistic behavior? Well, none. None at all. Um, okay, so I'd be gentle with this. There's a lot of spiritual people out there. I consider myself relatively spiritual, but I, I also see the cause and effect of narcissism. And I have a, what I think is an understanding of where it's born from, which is to say that it's kind of nurtured and grown between the ages of or nine-ish um, and what what that what's happening there is that between those ages a, an individual is learning their personality it's the embedment of their or the foundation rather of who they're going to be when they when they grow when they get older um, and this is for me for my money's worth this is influenced by very much external factors not by the zodiac sign that they're born under um, you could, for example, um, have a, uh, a Pisces star sign that's, uh, you know, supposedly creative, intuitive, almost clairvoyant as such. And sure enough, an individual could be born under that sign and have those inherent traits unknown because they're a child or they're a baby, you know, they've just been born. Um, and, and if left to, let's say, healthy parenting, they could grow and that those sort of innate... Uh, qualities of their star sign could be further nurtured and developed as they grow older but sadly what we have is a lot of external factors that inform the narcissism of of the individuals uh, between the ages of four and nine so they're never never really course corrected when they're having tantrums for everything under the sun you know they do wrong they have a tantrum they're smothered or continually told off for things they've done right even all these things be it from a codependent parenting style to a narcissistic parenting style uh, severely at both ends of that that um, that balance if you like oh, really it's the same coin it's just opposing sides of the same trauma coin severe codependency or narcissism um, if a parent is either one of those the chances are that any of those um, innate qualities born under certain zodiac signs will be um, the, the, the good qualities are such that all 12 zodiac signs do have good qualities they will be sort of washed out of them if you like um, because all that's all that's um, nurtured in them is an early version of narcissism um, another way to, another way to look at it, I suppose is that the uh, we think that um, 
it's it's quite let's put it another way then and if we if we're looking at an influence of a person's zodiac sign on their narcissistic behavior i mean if that if that gives you a certain sort of peace or a certain sort of um shall we say red flag to somebody's narcissism then yeah you know you can you can roll with that in as much as whatever belief system you have that you can apply to the experience as long as it leads you out of that darkness and into the light then that, that's a good thing whether that's through religious means um, astrological means you know signs of the zodiac etc etc but the basics of it the, the fundamental basics of it are that a narcissist is is shaped grown and informed by essentially bad parenting um it's when a it's when a child will who cries all the time is either you know continually yelled at because they're crying or is completely smothered um and like i say so if they if they're completely smothered uh they may end up codependent in as much as they may end up narcissistic um and like i said earlier it's the same uh, it's the opposing sides of the same trauma coin um, so what is the influence of a person's zodiac sign and narcissistic behavior? Well, none really. Um, none really. Uh, that, that's probably kind of that sounds for those of you that follow a strong, and I do, I follow the signs of the zodiac with, with great aplomb and I, and I sort of have a, a broad understanding. I like, I like, I like tarot, you know, I like, I like watching tarot readings. I like being part of them and I like doing my own tarot readings. Um, but that's, that's not to say that that uh that anything astrological if you look at it this way as well the the 12 zodiac signs are born of old aren't they they're a very ancient belief system um and i'm pretty sure there's nothing in the well i say this i'm pretty sure my opinion would be that there's nothing really in the kashic records that also play a big part in the signs of the zodiac um and ancestral beings and all that stuff um I, I just I just don't believe that that's uh, that, that's actually a, that's actually a thing but if you want to believe that then what I would suggest is that if you're if you're enduring the the, the worst side of a of a narcissist so you're in a narcissistic relationship or you're narcissistically abused um, and you're trying to find some solace trying to find some answers then sure sure do that look up the worst parts of a particular zodiac sign and and cross-relate that to what you're experiencing and like i said if that gives you enough of a nudge to consider your own position and to consider your own welfare your own mental health and you want to escape that that's a good enough reason as it is the facts of narcissism um so it, yeah it's not a it's not a terrible thing to be considering uh but it's also not necessarily the right track to go down uh because it would it, it in other words, if you if you had a, 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 a zodiac sign that's all loving, knowing, creative, intuitive, uh, alluring, you know, in whatever means or ways as described by the various zodiac sign um, scribes out there or people that know a bit more about these things than I ever will, um, that could also lead you down a false negative, a false positive, sorry, a false positive in that you could find the qualities of a scorpio say and and your abuser is a scorpio and you could look at that star sign find all their innate positive qualities and then have that in your mind 
what that will do is actually probably give you a, that false positive in that you, you you make an allowance based on that person's zodiac when the reality is they're they're a broken child and whenever they're emotionally challenged they regress back to the emotional state of when that trauma was inflicted on them whether knowingly or unknowingly consciously or subconsciously um, so it's a slightly dangerous game to put those sort of parallels of religion and zodiac and astrology and the like let the facts bear out let the facts of narcissism steer you right in that the bottom line is that whether they're uh, the best zodiac in the on the uh, you know in the out of the 12 and they they might even play the part you know that's the thing um i'm going to be looking a lot about spiritual narcissism later on uh probably in series uh, season four um because it's a big topic and there's a lot of people out there who are you know prey on others using their the narcissist essentially and they use the the fact of um religion or 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 um spirituality to their to their benefit only um yeah it's a good question though it's a good question and i hope that kind of answers it uh what's the influence of a person's zodiac sign on their narcissistic behavior i'd say none but i'm loving to be wrong if you disagree with that or agree with it rather if you disagree with it drop a comment uh, if you can or um uh, you know write to me and let me know your thoughts anyway moving on to question two be right back How can we unite our voices in 2022 to speak even louder to authoritative organisations about the narcissistic victimisation pandemic that we face? Very, very good question. This very good question. There's a there's an issue though at the at the the, the centre of that, in that <clears throat> we can we can absolutely unite our voices in 2022, and we should. And there's a growing. Um, growing awakening shall we say to many things that are wrong in this world at least not at least not narcissism um but if we want to speak loudly to authoritative organizations about the narcissistic victimization pandemic um we have to change the authoritative organizations who by my humble opinion are at their absolute construct and that absolute center are narcissistic I don't think we're having, I don't think we're seeing what we're seeing in the world today because, um, and this is this would be quite a contentious thing to say, I guess, um, might get me deplatformed even, but I don't think we're seeing what we're seeing in the world globally um, because it's, I, I don't think it's governments or or people sat with the very best interests of the wider population of the planet at heart. Um, I think that what I'm seeing and I one of my other loves and side side uh, side gigs if you like is political uh, commentary I do it quite quietly often anonymously uh, for various reasons because I have strong strong feelings about it but I, I don't think we're seeing what we're I, rather I don't think we're experiencing what we're experiencing because people in power care I think we're seeing what we're seeing because the systems that are in place are enabling narcissism okay so where's that coming from if we look at things like social media um 
if you just do a simple Google on the social media uh, Facebook whistleblower, you'll see that um, everything that Facebook does and and whether that's regarding your children or, or us as adults, you'll see that at their their forefront is profit, profit over over giving giving a toss for the cause and effect that their algorithms and the systems they've got in place, the cause and effect they have on society as a whole, are you know nefarious at best and downright insidiously evil at, at worst, um, and, and the whole construct is to only improve financial gain for board members and shareholders um so i mean just look at that look at the systems in place regarding um, tax avoidance of the rich and the elite that's uh, that the reason they can avoid tax is because the systems are set up that way if it was a fair system a just system we would see everyone paying their fair share of tax from multi-billionaires people with you know 100 billion pounds 200 billion dollars whatnot um they alone could wipe out world poverty but they don't do they they don't they simply don't and if if you think they are beneficial to society at large if you think the likes of um bill gates bezos if you think they're working with humanity at the forefront of everything they put out then you're incredibly misguided and not yet awakened enough to perhaps even heal from your own narcissistic abuse and that's the opener to this is is really leaning into that in that um to challenge the authoritative organizations who are themselves narcissistic at their very nature you know it's their agenda their narrative that we seem to follow big corp big tech big pharma big media or legacy media as it should be rightly called um they're, they're, they're nothing but self-serving nothing but self-serving so the difficulty then is um within the construct of that question how do we speak louder to authoritative organizations is that really we, we, we can't all we can do is spread awareness amongst our own communities spread awareness amongst those who are um affected by narcissism um, when we're awakened to it, awakened to our own codependent nature, and we've healed from that, our own traumas, we should be, in every respect, reaching out a hand to the very next person that you find that's affected by those same incidences and life experiences, and doing our damnedest to guide them into the light where we should be. Um, and this, this might sound, it's kind of like a political thing, I suppose, in that even politics is is governed yes politics is governed by decisions made at the um through authoritative organizations and then the question begs what do you recognize as an authoritative organization so the very first thing that would spring to mind is government isn't it government so if if government if the people that control your destiny uh what one they shouldn't be doing that you should be your own you should make your own path in life. You should be able to um, enjoy the, the the trappings of being a human on a planet that should be free. And yet we find ourselves, because of government, paying for things that uh, really should be readily available to all of humanity, such as food, uh, energy, um, general freedom of speech. Um, it's all governed. It's all controlled. It's all a narrative and agenda. So you see uh, where you are. If you're in America listening to this, you'll see that your Congress and your Senate are highly influenced by 
um, lobbyists, right? So I had a I had a thing a while back, and it was, what would I do? What would I do to to change uh, society? I had this I had this deep thought, this moment of of I've got to be honest with you, I I smoked a, a doobie, and I was like, you know, really went into myself. What would I change? What would I change? And one of the key things I think I would rid the society of in general and all governments across the planet if i had a big old magic stick um would be to get rid of lobbying because that that itself is silencing your your voice and your voice is used in the democratic process to cast a vote isn't it so you cast a vote for a particular candidate whose um political manifesto you agree with or it resonates with you and it matters not because when that person nine times out of ten when they're sat in that seat of influence, that seat of power, they are then influenced by the money that controls them. And it's money, it's all cash. So, you know, you look at, just, just, do, a, just do a Google search and look at Congress in the United States and see how many of those con- congressional people um, have been influenced by lobbying. It's just about all of them uh, in one way, shape or form. Um, lobbying back in the day used to be about um, good causes or it should just be about good causes with no money, no money interest there. If you, uh, and uh, I know I'm rambling here, but if you, if you get a, if if you get a person sat in power and they're influenced by a good cause such as wiping out poverty, that's good. If a lobbyist does that, uh, even I would say if a lobbyist does that by giving that congressional candidate a hundred thousand dollars, you know, if I give you a hundred thousand dollars, will you campaign on this? this premise that you're going to get rid of poverty well yeah i mean that's a good thing isn't it that's a good thing it's a good thing but there should be no money involved in politics that's what that's what that's really what i'm saying so the the authoritative organizations are all controlled all controlled their whole agenda their narrative like cnn you don't get an honest news report on cnn about vaccines because if you look at most of cnn's uh, uh programming sponsored by Pfizer yeah you, you've got to see it to believe it but they are sponsored by Pfizer and CNN gave businessman of the, the year award last year to the CEO of Pfizer who happens to also sit on the board at CNN you know it's a complicated thing so my money for this my money <laughs> as if I'm lobbying is that it's our voices that need to unite and that is happening there is a surge there's i see it in the, every day every time i look at my core every time i look at the, the amount of people following my space nasa the lonely monster if you want to go and find it on quora um and join it there there's there's a there's a whole there's a there's a there's a large wide community growing of people waking up to the narratives and agendas that are around them and how those narratives and agendas are influenced by big tech, big pharma, big media uh, and big government and, and, and the likes. And those are the people that we're actually um, basically combating. Those are, so it's like, it's like saying to a narcissist, if you've experienced narcissism, if you're listening to this, there's no doubt that you have, um, it's like saying to them, oh, we need to change all this. They're not going to listen, are they? Because their their narrative, their agenda is all that matters. And in the big world of authoritative organisations, money's controlling them. Money's controlling everything. And, the indivi- and an individual that silences your voice when you vote in a democratic process in favour of, of someone that's giving them a couple of quid, well, that's somebody who's a narcissist for, for, for my 10 pence worth. 
And so that is a big challenge. It's a big, big challenge. All we can do, I think, in relation to this question is to grow awareness of narcissism um, individually, the individual experience and the wider geopolitical experience of narcissism. And it all starts with self. Once you understand what you've experienced, once you connect the dots, realise perhaps your own codependency, realise where a narcissist comes from. Once you've done all that self-work and you're sort of sat there going, blimey, well, that's, that's how that happened. Then look at politics. Then look at the media. Look at the person delivering their opinion, delivering their opinion as facts on news shows and the amount of people that go, oh, well, that must be true. Orange man bad or vaccines are bad or vaccines are good. It's, you know, it's their opinion sold as fact. Um, it's a big, big challenge. So for me, I would say continue with what you're doing. Um, research, absorb everything you can about narcissism with, a, with the focus on your self-growth. Do not limit your, your own thought processes. Do not limit your own opinions. Get news from all different sources and make informed choices and then spread the word. Spread the word of what you've experienced. Tell your neighbor, tell your friend. Tell, if you see someone that you're close with and you think, well, they might be in a narcissistic relationship because I've awakened to it and I've seen what happened, um, explain it to them, go on that journey. That's the only way. And then once there's enough of us, once there's enough of us awakened to um, narcissistic pandemic, if you like, then it should self-eradicate because you would presumably at that point vote in the, the person or, or or go toward an organization that isn't self-serving that is for the people that honors say in america the constitution that honors the magna carta in britain that honors any constitution laid bare by our forefathers and founders which were hopefully done on a position of fairness and, and integrity if they're all being followed by the right candidate then they're the right person to vote for and they in turn then will have that ability if they come from our ranks as well, if they've come from who we are in our own awakening, then that message will just disseminate uh, to the to a wider global populace. It's a difficult one, it really is. It's going to be a hard, hard struggle and a hard slog. But the very good news is it is happening. It's happening. Uh, it might not be happening quick enough for some of us, um, but I see it. I see it every day. I follow the news. I follow the geopolitical sound bites coming out. Um, and I see a growing wave of, of hope um, uh, spreading across the world, far and wide. And it's that hope, it's those voices that are being slowly silenced as best they can by the likes of big tech. It's one of the reasons I left Facebook, is because their censorship is based on their own opinions, um, not the facts. Even though they, they disclaim and say, we are a fact-checking, we have a fact-checking organisation checking things that are posted on our website or on our social media platform the reality is that fact checking organization is directly employed by facebook themselves and so those facts are the ideations of facebook um, um and their ability to sell a product yeah so how can we unite our voices in 2022 to speak even louder to authoritative organizations about the narcissistic victimization pandemic we face speak up spread the message amongst us uh, our community and hopefully hopefully that will grow and and not forgetting as well one of the other things we can do is is use the legal system um 
Uh, for example, in 2015, in my country, in the United Kingdom, um, disunited kingdom really as it is now, but in, in the UK, um, laws were passed that um, really do focus on the construct of narcissistic abuse. And then, just a quick note on that. When we talk about narcissistic victimization, that's a broad, um, a, a, a broad, it's a big umbrella coverage of things like financial abuse, sexual abuse, um, blackmail, uh, online abuse. They, they all bracket under narcissistic abuse, believe it or not. And so where you are now, if you're listening to this, look it up. Go and speak to your local sheriff, your local police station. Go to a family a family, uh, uh, a family officer or, you know, most, most cop shops or most precincts or most districts have them. And speak to people that know the law hopefully you get the right people but those laws are there it's just that we get the confusion comes from when we say narcissistic victimization there's no law against that but within narcissistic abuse there are many laws and many constructs of what what is narcissistic abuse there are laws to go against it such as the financial abuse and sexual abuse and and, and the likes Ooh, yeah i hope that one helps um bit of a political ramble there I suppose but you can see where I'm coming from um obviously you might want to switch off at this point because I don't resonate with you but if you see it when you see it when you do your self-work when you truly heal from narcissism you will then see it in the wider world you'll see it in the people that influence us the news readers the the the, the politicians where you are um you'll you'll see it um yeah I hope that helps somehow. It might not, but <laughs> there we go. All right, be right back. Right, well, do you know, this next question does um, does come up a lot. Um, I've spoken with friends as well who've been through this very situation. And the question is, does the non-narcissistic parent need to overcompensate for showing the child or children love and affection of a narcissistic relationship or divorce? Well, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Let me just give you some, some ideas here. That If you've got a narcissistic parent, you've identified that they're narcissistic because you've been abused by them. That's generally how it happens, isn't it? Um, so therefore one could easily surmise that in whatever way the narcissism materializes in the individual that's narcissistic or in a narcissist um, that they they are likely uh, abusing everyone around them although the difficulty is with narcissism true narcissism often the individual has no clue that they're a narcissist they're just living in their their reality often just feeling like they're just in their own power and doing their own thing and being who they are, who they are, and who they've ever know, only ever known how to be. Um, so it's a difficult one in that it is very easy, therefore, to um, overcompensate uh, if you're the normal parent. Um, I would suggest if you listen to this, you probably are the normal parent, or if you're affected by divorce from a narcissist, you are probably clearly the normal parent because you're divorcing and a, a bully and, and an abuser. So the difficulty in overcompensating, whilst that's a, whilst that's a, uh, an instinct, if you like, because you think that, let's say, your child goes 
uh, for two weekends a month or weekend a month with the other parent who is the narcissist and they come back a little bit disheveled perhaps a little bit broken emotionally a little bit confused it is easy to overcompensate I mean incredibly easy I, I could imagine that would be a you know an instinctual drive as a concerned loving and caring parent however there's a very very big risk with that the analogy I always give is the candy shop analogy. It's very basic in its in its fundamental approach, but bear with on this. So let's say you've got a, a five-year-old toddler in a candy shop stood in between a narcissistic parent and a not-narcissistic parent. So if somebody's with a narcissist, we're generally codependent because normal neurotypical people, shall we say, wouldn't ever... Um, be consumed by the plights of a narcissist they'd see right through it it's a really good skill set to have you're neurotypical you see a douchebag when you see one and you step back or exit stage left at any stage in the relationship even if it's later on or at the start or mid you, you just know i've had enough neurotypical this is wrong you make an informed decision you set boundaries you make a solid choice and you leave if you're codependent though you really are chasing that 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 fuel yourself you're giving, always giving. Um, and it's what breaks you in the end. And it's at the end that your soul gives that little last flicker of spark in life and says, what are you doing? Get the hell out of Dodge. This ain't right. You've given everything. You've given me to them and run. So you do. Um, so then your kid goes off and spends a weekend with a narcissist and comes back. And your instinct is to, your drive as a loving parent is to perhaps... When you say overcompensate, I'm going to call that sort of you smother them with love and and caring and giving. So what does that do? What does that do to the child? Does it does it make them neurotypical? As in, they you know they see they 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 see a line, they walk down that line, and there's no variation of either two. They don't see codependency. They don't see narcissism. They're just a normal person, normal healthy person, neurotypical. Or does your overcompensation uh, infuse more confusion in the child? The risk, therefore, is that candy shop analogy. So the child is there in the middle of a narcissistic uh, parent and a codependent parent. So you have to be codependent to infuse the narcissism, remember. And the kid wants a candy bar and says to one parent, who's the narcissist, say, can I have that candy bar? And the narcissist parent might be having a bad day, turn to the child and say, no, you can't. It'll make your teeth rot, you'll get bad skin, you'll get fat, and you're about to have your lunch. No, you can't. And the kid has a meltdown, has a hissy fit in the middle of the shop. The narcissistic parent themselves, embarrassed by this, they want the perfect life, they want to portray the perfect family environment and the perfect family unit, um, sort of scowls at the child and says, stop crying, stop crying, you're embarrassing me. And the kid might just cry more. At that point, the control has been lost by the narcissist and they're flummoxed at this point. So they turn to the codependent parent who's equally abused and says, sort this out. And the codependent parent just buys the chocolate bar. The kid's happy, it's got what it wants. The narcissistic parent is happy because the kid has stopped crying, the embarrassment has stopped. And the codependent parent is really pleased with themselves because they've overcompensated. They think and feel that they've done the right thing they've satiated their child who's now happy they've turned off the angst and anger from the narcissistic parent they're winners but are they because at the 
baseline of that, it doesn't matter whether you're a codependent parent, um, disengaged from a narcissistic parent, whatever's happened in your, whatever's facilitated that breakup and that divorce, at the central construct of that is the child's welfare and the child's mental health or children's mental health. I would say, I would posit that it kind of matters not what the narcissist does because they're still their parent, but it really matters what you do. So the narcissist can't really control themselves. They are all about self. They're all about maintaining that image. They're all about uh, taking, right? They'll take love. They'll take the fuel from the child, which is the child's love and admiration. And they'll they'll glorify it. They'll love it. They'll enjoy it. The kid comes back all disharmonized and confused. And if you overcompensate or buy the chocolate bar for the kid, the kid will learn nothing. So my own advice with that is don't overcompensate don't ever overcompensate just be you just be a normal parent and it's difficult because you're divorcing that douchebag because you were abused by them presumably so it's it's difficult to step away from that it's a it's it's a really fine line and and sadly this is one of the most difficult things when dealing with narcissistic abuse is the children element so you don't want your kid growing up to be exactly the same as that narcissist and by overcompensating by showing admiration and love and cuddling them all the time when they're upset and you know soothing them because they've had a difficult weekend say with their father um it's not going to do that kid any good and this is a hard thing to swallow it's a really hard pill to swallow in that you have to let the kid work it out for themselves um you have to maintain a sense of normality so if the kid comes back from narcissistic douchebag parents house from the weekend and a week whatever you know during the summer holes and that and is acting like a complete idiot and a tool because they're 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 emotionally dysregulated because of the atmosphere they found themselves in for that weekend or few days with the narcissistic parent your job is to really just maintain that as i say that sense of normalcy that sense of uh nurturing granted but not overly doing it because if you do overdo it, that the kid will end up codependent. And that's the risk. And if that kid ends up codependent, that kid will end up probably with a narcissist when they're older. Um, worst case scenario, they end up a narcissist themselves. Because they're always... So they go to their narcissistic parents' house and they get given the earth. Because that's how a narcissist operates. Because they don't know how to show true emotionally regulated love. So they gift, you know, give presents, give them what they want, take them where they want, feed them what they want, do what, give them screen time, do everything they want that the kid wants. They come back and they say, oh, can I have that? And you say, well, no, if it's not in the greater good or it's bad for the kid or, you know, they've had an abundance of sugar while they've been away, you say no. And the kid might cry because they've just got everything they wanted when they were at their narcissistic parents' house. So you, but you still say no, let them, let them go through the motions of, crying or being upset because they're not getting their own way and then let themselves soothe that is the key to curing narcissism is that a child needs to be able to self-soothe if you've got a child that can soothe themselves without the reliance of a parent that child will grow up to be neurotypically stable emotionally regulated either end of that trauma coin severe narcissism or or severe codependency same coin different sides of the same trauma um cannot self-soothe as such 
So a codependent will soothe themselves by giving and a narcissist will soothe themselves by taking. Um, it Granted, it's a, it's a darn difficult line to follow um, and to tread. But does a non-narcissistic parent need to overcompensate for showing the children love and affection? No, absolutely not. You need to be normal. You need to be balanced. The child needs to be able to soothe themselves in any given moment. Unless, you know, I'm talking things like... I'm talking about a child's a child, a toddler, say, or even slightly older, having a tantrum because they want to microwave the cat and you say, well, no, you can't microwave the cat and they have a hissy fit. At that point, picking them up, hugging them, oh, I'm so, it's okay, I'm so sorry, don't worry. Oh, please don't cry, it's fine. Because you feel some bearings of guilt because they've just come from the abuser's household. Um, the kid learns nothing. The kid learns nothing. It just learns that when it cries, somebody's going to come along and help it. Uh, and that snowballs in later on in life and they once they get past a certain age that's all they know that's all they'll understand is that when i cry somebody's going to come along and help me and that ladies and gentlemen is what a narcissist is so do you need to overcompensate absolutely not there are great many parenting um styles and parenting books out there um of which of which you can which you can definitely delve into um but yeah don't um please don't do that uh this uh it, it creates if you like yeah that that complete emotional dysregulation there's um there are parenting there are parenting styles um of which there's 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 sort of four um so you can get you can get the bad ones which are stern and quite punitive um and that's authoritarian and uninvolved and what you might find is that the narcissist is authoritarian, my, you know, my way or the highway, or uninvolved as in do what you want. It's your, you know, car carry on, do what you want, you're not going to get in trouble or anything like that, just do what you want, which is bad, right? And then you get the, um, the uh, what are they now, the authoritative, slightly different to authoritarian because the authoritative is sensitive and responsive um, uh, and, and quite and in a way, permissive is the is the fourth parenting style. Um, the difficulty with uh, the top two, authoritative and authoritarian, is authoritative, as I say, is sensitive and responsive. Authoritarian is stern and punitive, but both styles are demanding. And the, the other two styles of permissive and uninvolved, um, they don't enforce limits. So you kind of, if you can get right in between, if you imagine those four parenting styles in a square uh, with a, you know a, a dissected square so they're in their own little corners you need you kind of need to be in the middle um and it's it's difficult being a parent granted at the best of times it's damn hard let alone juggling the cause and effect of a narcissist on your child and nobody nobody would blame you if you did overcompensate that's your right. Remember at the start of this, I said you have you make your own informed choices, make your own informed opinions about things. But with some cautionary stuff there, as, as, as I described, um, if you do overcompensate, um, the child, the child will will, will learn nothing. Uh, yeah. So a little bit, a little bit of a dash in that. Um, Google it. Do take a look at the four parenting styles, figure out where you are in that that um, matrix of four and and then you've got to kind of work it out <laughs> um, uh, later on in, in the chat show show actually I'm getting um, getting a, 
oh, granted, uh, she'll be uh, disguised. Um, there won't be any salient details revealed, but she's a she's a a, a singer. Um, several albums released, a classical singer, and uh, bless her heart, she's in exactly the same this situation, and it's it's a cause for concern for her in that she's a damn good parent um, from what I've experienced and witnessed and, and seen and her partner is you know probably the worst of the worst when it comes to narcissists probably not even a narcissist probably more sociopathic than anything else so the kid comes home from weekends at uh, at weirdos and is a bit of a mess to be honest and she she's found it very difficult to balance that harmonization of having the kid emotionally regulate themselves versus the easy win over compensation because she knows the mum knows that the father's a bit of a douchebag um tough choice tough choices but bottom line is it really is all about the emotional uh, regulation of that child uh, yeah sorry there might be a ramble there 15 minutes again if you agree or disagree rather if you do disagree um drop a line drop drop me um drop me an email emails in the description at the top and uh, and we'll go from there i'll, I'll reevaluate my my opinions on that if you've got if you've got insight if you've experienced it um hopefully as you'll hear from the chat show show that several of the guests coming on have been in that in that in that uh, exact situation um and so definitely we'll be i'll regurgitate that question in the chat show show and uh, and we'll go from there yeah hope that helps ciao for now be right back Okay, final question. Is it possible if two people started dating that have narcissistic traits that they could push each other to the extent that one or both of them develops full-blown narcissism beyond just narcissistic personality traits? Uh, yes and, and no. Um, so two people started dating that have narcissistic traits. That's generally two narcissists, right? And then if a narcissist is in plain terms self-serving, then you've got two people in a coupling, in a relationship that are both self-serving. Both will go off and cheat, both will just, it's just carnage. And actually, it's its sort of where we want to be. Now this might sound quite extreme, but if you've awakened to narcissism and you've been abused by a narcissist, one, I'm incredibly sorry you had to endure that. But the second part of that is that you're, you're likely codependent to have enabled that narcissism no person with neurotypicality, which is kind of where you want to aim for, where you want to be, you know, somebody with boundaries, somebody with, um, uh, knows their own mind, isn't told how to think and how to feel, then uh, you'll avoid narcissists, right? And you, you've learned the lesson and hopefully you'll understand grey rocking. Uh, whenever you meet someone new, you'll have an instilled sense of purpose, self-purpose, self-determination, and you'll install boundaries in that relationship the narcissist can't resist a boundary they want to break them at all costs no matter what if it even if it's the good night test listen to previous episodes for how to do that um they will they will erode your boundaries immediately um and that's a red flag isn't it so if you get somebody that does that then you can always make a choice and leave and that should be where you're at if you've truly healed from narcissism but that said 
if that is the case and we spread the message, spread the word, um, unite our voices in 2022 and people start to be more aware of what narcissistic abuse is and what narcissism is in general as it's so prevalent in our society and we install our own self-purpose, self-determination and boundaries in all relationships, that would then thwart narcissism from entering your dynamic, entering your life and a narcissist will only then move on to the next potential victim who hopefully has also learned the lessons, has installed boundaries, etc, etc, etc. What does that do? Well, that could then leave two possible narcissists being, or narcissists in general, only going for the narcissist. One will always be worse than the other, guarantee that. It won't be an equilibrium, it won't be an equal relationship, an equal dynamic. One will be worse, one will always call victim to the other person's narcissism. And that person that's then, that you recognise was a narcissist, who could end up in a narcissistic relationship themselves, being the lesser of the two, would be a victim. They would then, hopefully, my ideations, they would have their own awakening, their own resurfacing of their own childhood traumas, and they would then go forth and heal if they had that about them. That then would leave all the worst narcissists to couple up and um, and, and, and likely, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's my it's the perfect world for me is that they would meet their worst types um, and, and uh, you know, you'd end up with a narcissist, a basic narcissist who are quite dumb really by, by output and standards. They would then be left with falling for sociopaths or dare I say it, psychopaths or just general Machiavellian types. And they would then have their own awakening. And then all you'd be left with is the one last person at the top of the food chain, possibly Beelzebub himself, who sat there going, ah oh, crap, I'm all alone. So, is it possible if two people started dating that have narcissistic traits that they could push each other to the extent that one or both of them develops full-blown narcissism beyond just narcissistic personality traits? Well, no, because they're narcissistic anyway. Um, and narcissism doesn't develop later on in life. Narcissism is born from childhood traumas, whether known or unknown, consciously or subconsciously. It's a cause and effect, and it's a personality disorder that's grown from a young age. Um, the older the person is when the trauma is afflicted, the less chance of narcissism. So if you had, say, a 14-year-old person who was abused in some way or had some significant trauma as a child, they may have narcissistic traits which are easily identifiable easily overcome with the right sort of counseling but they won't have full-blown narcissism so if anybody like reflectively so the person that's asked this question is reflecting aren't they they're reflecting on their situation and thinking hmm, i might be narcissistic and this person's brought the worst out in me so i might then i then i might develop full-blown narcissism that's not if a person is narcissistic, they are narcissistic from a very young age and it's a, it's a stable component of their life. It is the reality they're operating in. Um, and as we all know, if you're listening to this, a narcissist does present as normal, it really does. And they give you what you need. The love bombing is what you need, the valuing because you're codependent and you want someone to love you, to nurture you, to hug you and hold you. And when reality sets in for the narcissist, that's when the love stops and that's when they become that narcissist. So two narcissists together, great, leave them to it. That, that's fantastic. If you're a narcissist and you're with another narcissist and you think that person's a narcissist, then have a look at yourself as well. I, I'm a big proponent of this. I'm always, I'm always saying anyone that, that I interact with, whether it be on these things or face-to-face, -face, uh, which there are many, um, I'll always say, you know, I was part of the problem. I was a very codependent person. 
which is a far removed from being a narcissist, but it is the same coin. It's just the opposite side of that, of the same trauma coin. Um, so no, uh, you can't develop narcissism later on in life. You've developed it as a child. So if you do have narcissistic traits, it's likely if you look back, draw a line through your own past and your own traumas, if you're just traded, um, it's likely that your trauma uh, affected you a little bit later on in life rather than those formative years where our personalities, our moral compass was formed between the ages of four and nine. Um, and, and, and yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a good question, but it's it's kind of coming from from a point of view as, as if to say that a pers- that person's narcissistic traits are being exaggerated by being involved with a narcissist and that is somebody blaming and making themselves a victim to somebody else's narcissism of sorts um two narcissists together is the ideal world because one of them will wake up to what they are and what they've done if they if they've got that reflective power um as you likely did listening to this so hopefully that helps somehow um that's it that's the end of the show uh hopefully you enjoyed it um, if you need to listen to it again for any any salient uh, advice or or points, please do go back to the beginning. If you think this has helped you, if you believe it has, please consider sharing it with your fellow awakened people. Um, apologies for any political rants, but it's coming from a good place seeing narcissism on a global scale, and uh, and that's that. So let's look forward to the next episode which will be yeah which will be the chat show show in about a month's time once I pull everything together with the recordings once again if you're listening to this and you are a volunteer can't wait to meet you um in person and uh, and see what we can put out into the world um until then be safe be well make good choices and uh, consider being more informed when you look at things like news and politics and you know you you can and you do have a voice and you have a power of self if you're healing and have escaped a narcissist. Okay, be well. Catch you on the flip side. Bye for now. Play us out, Nelly.